Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Made it. We made it. Friday morning's about celebration, friends. We made it to the end of another week. Well, I guess the fantasy week doesn't end until Sunday, but we made it to the end of another work week. Whatever the hell that's worth. Fantasy week 15. Can you believe that we're almost done with the 15th week of the season? We've just been trucking along full speed for so long. You kind of stop and uh, forget to take stock of everything. Joey in the chat room says, let's see how sick Dan is today. Always a little bit. Always a little bit, friends. Sinuses are still pretty good and clogged up, but I'm, I'm fine, man. I mean, I didn't miss a show. The real magic of all of this, I cannot believe that I didn't miss a show. Um, no, I think I did, right? Didn't I miss a show when I had the GI bug earlier this in, uh, or in January? It doesn't matter. Uh, it's February now, so, you know, brand new month, brand new look, outlook on life. Maybe we'll be healthy the rest of this month. The uh, baseball teams are reporting to spring training, pitchers and catchers, and all that good stuff. That's pretty cool. It's a good time of year. It's a good time of year. Ramp up to baseball. Ramp into the fantasy playoffs. They'll ramp into the roto end of season. Silly season. Make sure your games cap get used up. All that fun stuff. It's all... Coming around the bend. And I can't wait to be your Sherpa as we ascend the mountain. I am Dan Bespers. This is Fantasy NBA Today, a sports ethos presentation. I'm at Dan Bespers over on social media. Some of you, I think, are actually watching this show uh, on social. So if you're doing that, all you got to do is click the like and follow button there. Uh... What was I? I was about to do something. I'm tired, guys. I'm more tired than I am sick today. More tired. Kids have been waking up at weird hours. At some point in my life, I don't know when it's going to be. It might be like 2029. I'm going to be able to just come on this show and be like, yep, today's another day. Blue, 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 blue. But that day is not today, which is why I think this week I'm slipping into all these weird uh, impersonations. Herbert, the pervert. Uh, <laughs> Smeagol slash Gollum. Which, you know, as long as Precious Achua is continuing to have good fill-in games, we can continue to use some of these things. I am losing my mind. I am losing my mind, and it's happening kind of quickly. A couple of quick promos here before we dive into the weekend review. Uh, and, I, and I wrote them on the screen, so if you're watching, you can actually see a few of them. Follow on Twitter, at Dan Bespris. Also follow at EthosFantasyBK over on social media. Great account to get your uh, news feed. Please make sure to write uh, or rate, like, and subscribe, no matter how you're taking in the pod. So if you're watching it live with us on YouTube, you can hit the like button and subscribe. If you're listening, rating, and subscribing, that's kind of the combination you're looking for. And of course, please, everybody, make sure to hang out with us on trade deadline morning. We go on first thing. No one will beat us to the punch on that side. 7.30 a.m. Pacific time, Thursday, February the 8th, just six days from today. The show is set up here at our YouTube page, so if you're uh, if you're subscribing, you should be able to go see that. It's you know it's posted as an upcoming show on our YouTube homepage. Please go take a second to like that thing beforehand. Set your alarm, whatever you got to do to be a part of our trade deadline coverage. 
It's going to be a freaking wing ding. A wingity ding. You guys can already see some of what I'm going to be talking about today, but I'm going to make it bigger here in just a moment. Um, we've got some activity in the chat room that I've got to ban and remove. Spam is coming in hot. That's how you know you're doing better when you're starting to get spammed. And not just by porn bots on Twitter these days. Woof, they are really coming in fast and furious. No rest for the weary on porn bots. I'll tell you what. Those bots are making porn 24-7. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. It's a brave new world out there, friends. All right, it's week 15 in review. Let's talk about the ads. Everybody wants to know who the ads are this week, and they are... These five names, Jonathan Kaminga, Santi Aldama, Jared Vanderbilt, Andrew Wiggins, and John Collins. We talked about two of these guys last week, but we have three new names on the board. The two repeats are Jonathan Kaminga and Santi Aldama. Mostly I put them back on here because I just wanted to add uh, a little bit more context to them. Uh, starting with Kaminga, who's just cruising right now, I just I want people to remember that this is a guy who, like, two weeks ago wasn't getting to play. And then he yelled at his teacher, his coach, whatever you want to call it, and all of a sudden he was just, like, getting a crap ton of minutes. I guess it was more like three weeks ago. It was the craziest thing. That never works. But it worked for Kaminga, and he is on a, like a, a, a bender to end all benders here with activity he's shooting 65 percent on extraordinarily high volume over the last two weeks it's why he's like a second rounder over that stretch he's also at 2.6 combined steals and blocks after not getting anywhere near that in his career to this point he's never been a big steals blocks guy we had extrapolated his numbers to 30 minutes before and it looked more like he was going to be in the ballpark of like 0.8.9 steals and like 0.7 blocks, which isn't terrible, but it's not what you're seeing right now. And frankly, this year, in 24 minutes a game, before this recent surge, he was actually more at like 23. He was at 0.6 steals and 0.4 blocks. And all of a sudden now he's at 2.6 combined in a little bit more. Yeah, I know. It doesn't really add up. So you're looking at all this stuff, and long-term, 52-53% field goal seems very attainable. But we, we just we you have to we have to be aware of where things are going well and where things are going well that are sustainable. And free throw over that stretch at 71% feels like something he could probably replicate. That's about where he's at for the entire season. But 65% ridiculous volume field goal is just not going to be. So this is one of those moments where I need all of you listening to hold two thoughts in your head at the same time. Thought number one, Kaminga is dominating. Thought number two, it also probably makes him a bit of a sell high. Do you guys see where those pieces can kind of fit together? <laughs> Strangest things are happening in the chat room right now. I cannot take my eyes off of them. Uh... So we can be excited about him, and at the same time, we can also be fully aware that he's not going to be a second-round pick the rest of the way. So then the question is like, okay, well, if I'm, at, if I'm going to try to sell this dude... By the way, this actually requires another explanation, because um, I had someone who I ultimately had to mute, because I, I can't... I don't have the time or the energy to argue with people. Um, say something like, oh, how can you call this guy a sell? 
Well, it's not... When you say someone's a sell... I have to do this like once a month forever. So this is probably like the 50th time I've had this exact same conversation. When you call somebody a sell, you're not saying that you don't believe in them. You're just saying that you think you could get more for them right in this particular window of time then they're likely to be worth rest of season if you just wrote it out. So right now for Kaminga, based on the crazy stuff he's been putting up lately, you could, I think, probably get like a top 75 guy back for him. And so in my mind, that's probably a move you should make. You could probably get like a Michael Porter Jr. back for Jonathan Kaminga right now. You might be able to get a Tyler Hero back while the Heat are struggling to incorporate their pieces. Uh, maybe a Devin Vassell, that's eh, questionable there. If you wanted to go get, like, I mean, if you wanted to assist, like Mike Conley, low turnover guy, yeah, you're not going to get as many points. But I think these guys that don't have a crap ton of name recognition that are hovering in the sort of 55 to 80 range, you could probably get them for Kaminga right now because he's rolling second round value over two weeks. And people have convinced themselves that he's going to be, you know, a top 40 guy the rest of the way. But reality is going to set in at some point. He's going to have the week where he goes the other direction because that's just what happens even to very, very good NBA players. They go through ups and downs and Kaminga's young and improving, but he's not like a superstar that's just going to sit second round at the rest of the way. And I think if you could lock in someone who is maybe, say, more trustworthy, and again, we don't know what the Warriors are going to do in the next six days on top of all of that, that's why he can both be an ad and a sell at the same time. Thank you, Sports Guru, for the comment, Dan. If someone doesn't still understand sell high and buy low, they don't understand fantasy. The thing is, you know, I, I, I want to I don't want to be condescending, and maybe that was uh not the, the greatest way to present this exact same argument to say I've said this 60 times. But new people come and follow the show, and people just have the wrong conception of what it means to buy or sell someone. They think that when you hear buy it means, oh, this is a guy who's a rocket boosting into the moon. It actually just means they're a value in that moment and sell the flip side of that. So let's get back to the discussion now. Santi Aldama is the next name. He's been on this board for me for a little while. I'm maybe more bullish on Aldama than the fantasy community at large, or so that's what I'm hearing here. I, I have a, a guilty admission to you guys. I have no idea who other people in fantasy sports are into or not into. It's a distinct lack of time. I swear to you all, I would love to be able to read slash listen to what other analysts are saying. I really would love to have the time for it. But I barely have the time to do my own show. And all these days, how many times do I come on here? I'm like, I really want to do another show this afternoon. And then poof, I just can't do it. Because a kid like had to get picked up from school early. Or they're having a weird afternoon where the nanny can't keep them from running into the bedroom. Or like my mom is babysitting and she can't possibly chase both those kids at the same time. I need time. So if someone out there is high on with these guys or low on these guys, I promise you I haven't the first clue unless someone tells me. I don't know. I cannot. I wish I had time to go figure out what everybody else was doing. I don't. Anyway, I like Santi Aldama. The Grizzlies are in full shutdown mode. We've now know, uh, we, we've known now actually for a couple weeks. Xavier Tillman's on the trade block. That's why they're not playing him very much unless they absolutely have to. They want to keep him upright. Aldama in starters minutes can be a two, three-pointer, close to one steal, one block guy. And we just have to pray that his field goal and free throw percent don't turn out to be that bad. That's the big thing with him. 
Last week to two weeks, he's shooting about 46%. He's taken like four free throws and he's made them. So again, like, you know, thank goodness for that. So he hasn't really hurt in those categories. I think he's like two for two oh, on free throws over the last two weeks. He had missed a couple right before that, but he's hitting his threes. His shots are iffy. He had a six for nine game, and then he went nine for 25 in the next two games, and he went seven for 12 in the last one. So you just we just have to hope that it levels off the right way. But if this dude's getting starters minutes, which he has now for the last two games, and I would argue he's been pretty close to them for five out of the last six, in my opinion, he's worth an ad because he can go top 75 in that kind of opportunity. I mean, his last ball game, he had 18 and nine with three assists, four three-pointers, and two blocks. If that doesn't need more convincing, well, I got no other convincing I can bring to you. So apologies on that. Uh, Jared Vanderbilt is the next one on the list. And yes, a lot of you have asked the, the right question, both on social media and here in the chat room is, well, didn't he just get hurt in the last ball game? And yes, I am trying to manifest okay health for Jared Vanderbilt because when he's been healthy, which is like the last three weeks, he is very much an everydayer. He's very much an everydayer over that stretch. On the season, he hasn't been because he just wasn't moving right for a while. But think think about this. Last two weeks, he's still only averaging 23 minutes a game over that stretch, and he's at 10 points, five boards, two assists, over two steals on 66% from the field. Last one week, which also includes the game, this last game where he left halfway through, uh, and another one where he got ejected like one game into it, He's still top 100 over that stretch. His rebounds, his steals, his field goal percent have all picked up in a big way. No, I don't think he's going to shoot 65, 67% long-term. That's just not going to happen. Uh, but the rebounds and the steals are going to stay high as long as he's healthy. And so the ad here is more about the fact that I, I do these weekly review shows on Friday. And so it's not like I can say, oh, Jared Vanderbilt, like downgrade him to watch list and then come back and do another show tomorrow where I say, oh, look, he's fine. You can go pick him up. If we get news this afternoon that Vanderbilt is going to miss a couple weeks, then, yeah, obviously you're not going to hold on to him because you can't take zeros. And we're talking about, you know, a top 80 to top 120 range guy. If that guy's hurt for a couple weeks and you're fighting for a playoff or whatever, that's just not a guy that you could afford to stash. But if news comes out later today that he's day-to-day, then that's why I have him on the ad list. Because if he's day-to-day... 100% I'm sitting on him. Andrew Wiggins has had a couple of good games in a row. Two actually truly good games in a row. And there were like three or four before that that were bordering on good. And I've said it. I mean, how many... You guys You guys probably can count better than I can because I can't keep track of what I had for breakfast. But all season long, I've been saying Wiggins is terrible. But anytime he has a good ball game, you got to pick him up. Because if it's the sign that he's turning a corner... We want to be the, the the fantasy managers that have him when that happens. And it seems like it's happening, so you better add him. And then John Collins, who, you know, I, I got I to gotta hit myself. I got to, like, ding myself a tiny bit on this one. By the way, while we were talking, Zach Levine uh, just got out for another week. Uh, it's back to the foot and not the ankle. So this is very much trade block, Zach Levine. So, I mean, he's he's out through the deadline. And as soon as he gets traded, he'll play again. Pretty 
pretty sure on that one. Uh, because if he was actually hurt, then they would have a lot of trouble getting you know, full value for him. So I'm sure that behind the scenes, they're saying, oh, guys, don't worry. He's fine. He's just sitting out, but we got to put out this thing for the for the league. So that news just broke while we were talking. I wanted to slip that in there. Uh, back on the topic at hand, John Collins. So one thing that I missed uh, when I downgraded Collins to more of a schedule stream was that the way the Jazz have this configured, and this is why you got to watch the games, and I'm I'm guilty of not being able to watch as, enough Jazz games uh, during that like sort of period where Collins had bottomed out and was starting to to ramp back up a little bit. I think if I had watched the games super closely, I probably would have noticed quicker that the reason his numbers were coming back for Collins is that they were letting him play the five more on offense, on defense, whatever. So it's improved his field goal percent has been up over the last two weeks or so. Uh, His defensive stats have been up over that stretch. And honestly, that might be the biggest thing of all. But it's it's sort of all of the above. His rebounding has been better over that stretch on a per-minute basis since he started getting more minutes at center. And so when you look like, and you compare it to the whole season... And his rebounding is fine. It's not like that's going to be the one that jumps out at you. But for the whole season, he's at eight. And he was kind of like near seven and change prior to these last two weeks. And yes, the minutes have been a little bit better. But this is a guy who, like, it's it's been a while since he was a legitimate shot-blocking threat. We're talking COVID year, 2019-2020, where he blocked 1.6 shots per game. That's the only season... I think besides his rookie year where he averaged more than one block per contest. And this year he was at like 0.7. And then all of a sudden now they're like, all right, by the way, you're going to play some center. And we saw him play a little center when Walker Kessler was hurt. And that was kind of when he, when Collins racked up fantasy value at the beginning of the year. But all of a sudden now he's had multiple blocks in four of his last six ball games. And that's just not something like you got to go back to very early in the season to find the last time that he even had a game with multiple blocks. Like, you got to go all the way back to December 8th. I think that might have been a game when Kessler was out. He had a few in a row where he had multiple blocks in mid-November. That was when Kessler was out. So he had four blocks, three blocks, two blocks. And it's like, oh, well, this dude needs to play center. And now they've rearranged things here so that he is mostly playing center. And that's a big reason why John Collins has made this kind of mid-season swoon turnaround because he was... Uh, quite awful for about uh, like end of November until the middle of January. That's a tough, that's like a six, seven week stretch where he was outside the top 150. And then Utah started getting all wackadoo, wackadoo and playing guys everywhere. And they were like, Collins, you're the center now. And uh, Walker Kessler, you're going to get 18 minutes off the bench. And that's why John Collins is playing better. Simple fact, you get a big guy and you play him at center. They put up better numbers. And I should have spotted that quicker, and so that's my mea culpa because we saw a few better games from him, and I was like, oh, I don't think I could buy this because he's been bad for a while. But there was a, there was a very clear reason behind it that I missed. I missed that. Here's some holds on the uh, holds aboard. Dennis Schroeder is a hold mostly through the deadline. Uh, he's been, even during his down periods, he still was sort of close enough to fantasy value. And I'm not a big Dennis Schroeder fantasy guy. You guys know that about me. So 
for me to put him on the holds board, it must mean that I have some measure of faith that he's he has a path to value. And I think that path is somebody getting out of his way. I think Toronto's got to trade someone else, uh, whether that's Bruce Brown. I mean, he feels like kind of the only guy who's really on the block, but maybe it's Bruce Brown and Gary Trent Jr. It's hard to say. But again, we're six days from the deadline. Now, if Toronto doesn't move anybody, I think Schroeder ends up a drop. I think Trent ends up a very clear drop. I think Bruce Brown ends up a drop. But if we can thin the herd a little bit there, knowing that R.J. Barrett and Emmanuel Quickly are going to come back, and those guys are sort of like the two, I think, called building blocks for Toronto around Scotty Barnes, those two guys are not going anywhere. Max Struess is a hold. Um, this one... I got to give you like a different reason every week, which is a real shame because Drews had just started to play better again right before Evan Mobley and Darius Garland came back uh, for the Cavaliers. And now the reason to hold is to just sort of see how the dust settles. Because remember, at the beginning of the year, that team was fully healthy and Struess was playing 35 minutes a game and he was posting some of his best numbers ever. So I don't think that it's... And honestly, it might be good for him to have these dudes around that are getting him wide open, and he can go back to just doing more of the kind of hustle stats, getting more rebounds, more steals, more blocks. That stuff did dry up a little bit when he was asked to do more on offense, and that went poorly because his field goal percent went down through the toilet drains. So anywho, hold Max Struess because you got to wait and see how the Cavs get this whole situation configured. Hold Cam Johnson. I said it a few times. I'll say it another time. Hold him through the deadline. I think Brooklyn thins the herd there, and he's likely to be a nice winner from that. Toughest one of the week is holding Buddy Heald. He's been awful this week. Flat out awful. There is no sugarcoating it. But as long as he's starting for that Pacers team, I got to continue to give him a shot. Because over the last two weeks, where it feels like he's been just about as bad as he could possibly be, he's still sitting right on the edge of the top 100. Because starter Buddy Heald is barely, you know, he's going to mostly get 23 minutes or more. And a bunch of the time, he's going to get 28 to 33. And in those games, he's top 50. And as frustrating as it is, there just aren't guys out there that can post lines like Heald can when he gets actual minutes. Walker Kessler back on the holds board again because people are like, he's the most annoying player to roster in fantasy. I promise you he's not the most annoying player to roster in fantasy. Yes, when you drafted him at 45, you were hoping for better than top 75. Duh, he's three rounds down from where he was picked. But he's still averaging like three damn blocks a game while barely playing. Heaven forbid he actually sees okay minutes for a day. Uh, he's a shot-blocking menace. You can't get rid of that. You know, he's because of the shot-blocking alone, he basically is inside the top 100. And then anything we get beyond that will end up being gravy, even if we don't get any gravy, even if it's just a dry piece of turkey. Terry Rozier is a hold, and frankly, he's kind of a little bit of a buy low because Miami's trying to figure out where he fits in their whole scheme. Uh, Miami's also trying to make sure they don't lose ball games because they won a, or they lost a lot of them lately. Finally snapped their losing skid with a win over the Kings. So they just, like the Heat are in a weird spot because they have to figure out how to fit Terry Rozier in but they can't afford to lose games while they're doing it. They sort of blew that that cachet that they had by winning a bunch of games prior to the return of Jimmy Butler and Tyler. Like the team, this is this is what happens. Guys play over their heads for a while. Superstars come back, and then the team's like, "Oh, thank goodness, we can let down now." And then they lose a bunch. But then the Heat added another player, so they're they got a lot going on at the same time. 
The good news is they'll figure it out because they're the Heat. They'll be fine. Uh, the other good news is that Jimmy Butler's been on a pretty nice roll since he came back from his last injury, and he's pushed himself up to the edge of the second round on a per-game basis. So hang tough, everybody. And then Ben Simmons is on the holds board. We actually just got a report while on air that Simmons is probable for tonight. So I don't know what the deal was with his knee in the last one. I still remain somewhat skeptical uh, that all of this isn't Ben Simmons dealing with mental stuff. I don't I don't have any way to prove it. It just sort of feels that way. And like, if he's feeling well enough to play, then all of a sudden he's just out there. But in any event, uh, the Nets are better with him on the court. So hold him. It's an easier decision to make in Roto. It's an easier decision to make if you're punting points. Uh, but head-to-head, you're going to have all these, these days off too. So, I mean, I get it. We're, we're always chasing upside, and there is some with Simmons, especially if the Nets move Dinwiddie or Royce O'Neal or Dorian Finney-Smith or whatever, and then it's just like nothing's going to get in his way, and he's got all these shooters around him. Yes, uh, but uh, he's going to end up being a big headache, especially if you don't want to have to take any zeros on head-to-head. So I think you hold him. But I get it. In certain formats, it'll end up being more trouble than it's worth. You know, I left one name off of the I'm Scared board, and you guys are going to get to watch me add it in real time. Uh, And that is Malik Monk, who I think we can probably drop now. The uh, Kings have gone in a different direction at that spot. It's more Kevin Herter these days, and if they make a splash at the trade deadline, that would also put a dent into whatever Monk is doing. Karis LeVert is the other name on the drops board. As the Cavs get healthy, he's just not going to be able to do enough to counterbalance his bad percentages. And Monk actually has a little bit of that, too. Uh, Good free throw numbers for Monk, at least, where LeVert's kind of a negative in both. Uh, But Malik's value was tied up in being a distributor off the bench, and he's just not playing right now. And on the season, he's outside the top 150. So I just, I don't know how I make the argument that he needs to be held. I don't think he does. Three names, three names, excuse me, are on the watch list, and two of them are members of the Orlando Magic, Jalen Suggs and Markel Fultz. I remain extraordinarily skeptical that either of these dudes can post full season 12-team, 9-cat, you know, rest-of-year value. Uh, Fultz has been better lately on the shoulders of a Gigantor Steals game mixed in there because his other stuff actually hasn't been all that impressive. Uh, 62% from the field over two weeks is pretty impressive. But it's a 1.8 steals. That's why he's inside the top 100 over that stretch. And if he can't maintain almost two steals per game, you know, 11 points and three and a half assists is just not enough to get it done. Now with Suggs, it's a similar phenomenon. I might argue I have more faith in Suggs because he'll go shoot a three-pointer, but I don't have a ton of faith in either of them. They're both trying to get me to add them because they've been good for... Oh, I don't know, maybe the last week or so. But even over that stretch, you're like, well, do I really want to go down this path? And for Fultz, he's at 2.3 steals a game over that stretch and 61% shooting. He can stay near 50% from the field because he doesn't take any three balls. But 2.3 steals is not going to stick. And so, again, if you're talking about a guy who's like at like 11, three, and three and a half with one and a half steals, ah, I mean, that's borderline at best. At best. So yeah, he's warm right now, and maybe he's getting his legs underneath him. It's possible that this is like 
You're going to finally get a, a little surge out of Markel, but I don't think you'd be missing all that much even if you don't do this thing here. And Orlando's dealing with such a logjam at every position all the time that the chance of this thing really popping loose for Fultz or Suggs is not all that great. The Stream While Warm board, uh, we've added a few new names to it. Those names are Jalen Green and Cam Thomas. I don't know why Cam Thomas wasn't on this thing before. These are players who go on vicious heaters and look like they could beat the world and be rest-of-season studs, but we must remember. We must remember who they truly are and where the numbers will end up. And just quickly here, lightning round these names. Uh, the ones you know already, Bobby Portis, Nas Reed, Cole Anthony, Denny Avdia, Jordan Clarkson. Avdia, by the way, is maybe a little bit above this. Uh, Jordan Clarkson, R.J. Barrett, Kevin Herter, who's so streaky. Uh, Jeremy Sohan has been added to this board. He's been on a nice little run lately, but I think we know that at some point that's going to level off. Jalen Green and Cam Thomas are the new additions. Jalen Green is on a heater for the ages right now. The Rockets might move him by the way, which uh, could actually potentially be good for Green if he ends up on a team that just gives him sort of unfettered chuck, 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 or maybe it's bad because that's kind of the story with his career so far. Although I would argue Cam Thomas is a little bit more upside because he's not a terrible free throw shooter. Jalen Green has been bad both percentages in his career to this point, where at least with Thomas, you're going to get a trash field goal percent. But if he gets to the foul line, he'll be, you know, 80-plus there. So that would actually be a positive. But either way, like, you, you, we've seen the numbers. We've watched them all year. There's nothing magical that happened in the last week, even though we want to delude ourselves into thinking that something magical happened. Cam Thomas is taking 17 shots a night this season, and he's outside the top 170. Because all he does is score. You cannot be a one-trick pony in the NBA. And Jalen Green, he's caught Cam Thomas thanks to this last uh, mega burst. And by the way, shout out to Jalen Green for getting his free throw percent over 80. So that is no longer a big negative. But he's shooting 41% from the field, even with this insane heater going on. He was under 40, I think, prior to that, or he was very close to 40. Neither one of these guys gets steals or blocks. Jalen Green gets a few more rebounds. He's just a slightly uh, rangier player than Thomas. Both of them basically just score a lot. And at some point, that reality will come back. And so if you can stream these guys while warm or sell high, you do it. I don't know if you guys heard that noise. That was my sinus. That was not something scraping the microphone. That was like one part of my sinus scraping against another part. I'm unwell. Maybe nobody could hear that noise. It's possible that I could only hear it because it like occurred inside my head, but it felt audible. The injury replacement board is disgusting right now. I'm going to have to make it bigger on the YouTube screen. You guys aren't going to be able to see the names. You might still not be able to see them. Uh, but these are all the names. We'll go through them quickly. These are the guys you play and then who you play them for. Bruce Brown for R.J. Barrett. Gary Trent Jr. for Emmanuel Quickly. Dennis Schroeder could also kind of fall into that department. Ayo Desunmu, who's been crushing because Zach Levine and Patrick Williams are out. Eric Gordon, who I can't stand 
so even though he's an injury replacement for Grayson Allen, I'm probably still not using him. Jackson Hayes for Anthony Davis, although I expect AD back for the Knicks game, which is coming up. Is that Saturday or Sunday on that Knicks game? We'll look it up. Screw it, we'll do it live. Uh, it's the Saturday night ABC evening game. Yeah, Saturday evening. Um, I would expect AD and Braun back for that ball game. But if LeBron happens to miss another, Rui Hachimura's been the winner there. Trey Murphy's been uh, doing better lately with Herb uh, missing a couple of games. And by the way, you could flip that one too. Herb would be the guy if Trey Murphy was out. Josh Hart for Julius Randle. Prussels. Achua for Randall and Ananobi. Paul Reed and Kelly Oubre Jr. for Joel Embiid. Al Horford. I leave him on this board forever because any Boston starter being out gets him a run, which at this point is like every other game almost. Uh, Nick Richards still filling in for Mark Williams. PJ Washington with LaMelo and Gordon Hayward out. He's been getting enough shots to be a nice stream. Malcolm Brogdon, you're streaming with Shade and Sharp out. And the Grizzlies I did in tears here. Uh, oh, did I skip talking about Scottie Pippen Jr.? I did. I skipped talking about Scottie Pippen Jr. We'll go back to that one in just a second. Uh, Vince Williams and then Luke Kennard were the guys initially when Bain and Smart went down and Ja. Then Kennard went down and John Conchart took his place. What I said, I think, on this show last week was that the Grizzlies are like a Russian nesting doll of fill-in injury guys. And then, of course, Tim Hardaway Jr., is uh, your Kyrie or Luca replacement, although it sounds like Luca's good to go and Kyrie is questionable. So it's possible both of those guys are in, in which case then you make your adjustment. So uh, let me go back uh, three pages here, two pages here, to Scottie Pippen Jr., who I don't think I can bring myself to stream in Roto. He actually does make sense as a fill-in stream on the head-to-head side, but the minutes are not guaranteed and so that also then means that the production is not guaranteed. That's, I think, all I really wanted to say on Scottie Pippen Jr. I, I just It feels like with some of these guys, reality is going to sort of set in. And that's one of those ones where we really just don't know if it can stick. And quickly here, because we do have the trade deadline approaching, this is a quick reshoot. Uh, of the possible stashes leading up to the trade deadline. I'm going to go through the chat room. Don't worry, people. You guys are you guys are getting crazy over that away. Um, stash list. Onyeka Okongwu, because we hear the Hawks are, I think they were described this morning as the most active of any team leading up to the deadline. Ayotisunmu, if the Bulls move a couple of guys. Marvin Bagley, if Daniel Gafford gets moved. Dennis Smith Jr., if Spencer Dinwiddie and or some other wings on the Nets get moved, that's a possibility there, presuming, of course, that Ben Simmons ends up hurt again. DeAndre Hunter, we're back in Atlanta on this one. Let's say that uh, DeJounte Murray gets moved, and then maybe also Sadiq Bey could be on the move. Bilal Koulibaly, uh, this one, I you guys have heard me talk about this one uh, frequently. I, I do think that he needs more than Tyus Jones out of the way. I think if a Kyle Kuzma move actually might even help him more, because we got to get him shots. Jabari Walker most likely needs Jeremy Grant out of the way. Gary Trent Jr. most likely needs uh, Bruce Brown. Honestly, I don't know that there's a path for Gary Trent. It would have to be Bruce Brown and Schroeder probably getting shuffled if Trent is going to make an impact. 
And then Azar Thompson in Detroit, who might have an opportunity to do something now. Isaiah Stewart is hurt, but we all know that Monty Williams would prefer to play Kevin Knox. I just... Bleep. Anywho. Um, and yeah, that's uh, that's the possible stash board. We'll do a show, I think. Um, I, I would love to do one over the weekend where we uh, rehash those stash names and kind of the upside, the downside, and just make sure that I've got them all covered because there's probably one or two guys that I'm forgetting to, to flip on that board. Um, but before we, we wrap things up here on our weekend review show, you guys have been very busy in the chat room, and I want to kind of do what I've been doing uh, towards the end of the shows during the week, which is uh, to go through and just see if there were any names that you guys brought up that I missed. Early in the show, if you guys recall, I got my attention got yanked away from me for a second. There were three posts in the chat room claiming that they were going to expose me as an alt-right plant, which is extremely funny. I'm a little worried. Uh, I don't know. Like, it felt directed, but I have to assume that this was fluky. Okay, then. Um... Let's see. Uh, questions about Vanderbilt. Hopefully, I went into enough detail on that one. Uh, questions about Paul Reed. Yeah, that's reasonable. So, I think I did a little bit of a Paul Reed rant on yesterday's show. And my rant was, the only reason you wouldn't want Paul Reed on your team right now is if the only category you're trying to win is points. Because he's going to rebound. He actually can pass a little bit. And he gets steals and blocks on a good field goal percent without killing you at the free throw line. This is a guy who has five or six category appeal. It just so happens that the one that everybody pays the closest attention to is the one he doesn't. He's not going to score very much. He played 28 minutes yesterday. That's all we can ask for. That's, that's well beyond my wildest dreams for Paul Reed. He plays 28 minutes a game with Joel Embiid out, and he's a top 75 fantasy guy. I don't know that he's going to get 28 minutes every night, but it was great that he did. And so I'm very much into him, and... Nothing I saw yesterday moved me off of that. A lot of good discussion here going on. Um, more questions on Paul Reed. Do you think Brandon Pajemski is a stash? No, I don't. Um, I can't think of a situation where the Warriors move the right guys to clear out a path for Pajemski. Like, if they moved Andrew Wiggins who we've heard is someone that they'd be open to moving. They're going to bring someone in to take that job and then some. And right now, Bajemski is off the bench, and he's not doing enough behind the new-look starters. So, uh, no. I, it'd be a weird path to get him like back into a feature role. It would mean that the Warriors are tearing it down, and I really don't think they're going to do that. Any update on DeAnthony Melton? No. We were supposed to get one yesterday, I thought, but... Uh, you know, boop, womp, womp, nothing there, which sucks because I did grab him in a in a league, assuming we'd get some kind of information in the last two days, and we didn't. I'm a Grizzlies fan. How do you know Tillman's on the trade block? Oh, it's been out there now. Bobby Marks talked about it, I think, a week ago, um, and it's been actually circulating this morning. I saw some more stuff. I can't remember who tweeted it because I was frantically trying to get everything ready for these shows and whatnot, and I did an appearance over with the... Uh, with my buddy Gil Alexander on VEASAN. Uh, but I saw it flash by my timeline as well. Um, 
He's a restricted free agent, I believe, and I don't know that they really want to pay him, so it makes a lot of sense for Tillman to uh, to to get Cook in there. Um, is Tillman a good add? No, I don't think so. I don't think so. Um, let's see, what do we got here? Uh, do, 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 do. Should I drop Josh Giddy for Io Desunmu in a 10-teamer? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. They, like, Giddy has not been a... If we're talking about 9-category league... Josh Giddy's number 166 in 9-cap, which is not even good enough for 12-teamers right now, let alone 10. And I just don't think, see his job changing all that much the rest of the way. So as much as it hurts you because you probably drafted him at like 60, against my will, I yelled at you all as that I, he was on my, my bust list coming into the season. He's not really good enough to, to be a spot holder on a 10-teamer or even a 12-teamer. So I'm okay with turning his spot into a streamer, much as it may hurt, by the way. Uh, Dan, you have a man crush on Max Struess. Yeah, I do have a little bit of a man crush on him. And the problem is that he keeps getting waylaid by these problematic situations. The good news is he's still a 9-cat startable guy. He's number 114 on the year while shooting 40%. If that even gets up to 41%, he's inside the top 100. And... As you guys may recall, he did put up really nice numbers when the team was healthy. So I'm not really worried about the whole, like, who's there and who's not. What I'm more worried about is how it keeps shuffling. Every time they shuffle the deck, it gets confusing for everybody again. But they want him playing gigantic minutes. I believe he's also kind of tired. He has been worse after that good start. But every time I watch, he's out there playing 33 damn minutes of ballgame. And he's still at five boards and four assists and a steal and half a block on the year. That stuff is maintained. He just hadn't hit a shot in like two months. And then he had like a three-game stretch where he started to make buckets again. And then they brought everybody back and nobody knows what the hell their role is. So that's why. Um, I get it. If you guys want to move on, you know, whatever. Um, but when he's healthy and he's playing 33 minutes, he's doing enough. He may not be healthy. That could be another problem. Hey, Cam Thomas isn't that bad for field goal percent. Uh, I mean, over the last, like, three weeks, that's true. But on the season, he's at 45. And you're like, 45 doesn't sound that bad. 45 is pretty brutal when you're taking 20 shots a game. We have to remember about volume here. Like Dante DiVincenzo, I think, is also at 45, but he was only taking, like, eight or nine or ten shots a game or whatever it was. So a lot of it is just like weighted. It's a weighted impact thing. He is a small positive in free throw percent. We're talking about Cam Thomas right now. He's a small positive in three-pointers. He's a big positive in scoring, but he's a negative in rebounds, no matter what position you put him at. He's a negative at assists from a guard position, negative in steals, negative in blocks, negative in field goal percent. And that's why he's ranked 170, despite being a furious chucker. But at the same time, he's on a heater. So ride it or sell it. Get something out of it. Do, 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 do. Mario 2. All right, let's wrap this thing up. I got a lot of things I want to cover. And I'm going to say it again because I keep saying I'm going to do it. I'm trying to get another show. It may not be this afternoon. It might be tomorrow. But we're going to get some extra shows going here, especially leading up to the deadline because this is a time when we got more stuff to cover. Oh, are you at all, this is a good question, are you at all worried that, that Paul Reed didn't finish the game? I don't actually care when he plays. If he gives me 25 to 29 minutes, I don't give a crap when they come. 
So I'm not super worried about it. They'll mix and match and whatever. Um, and however he gets there, I'm okay with. But he's starting, and that's a big deal. It's hard to play less than like 22 minutes when you're starting. Do I prefer Paul Reed, Andrew Wiggins, or Josh Hart at the moment? Hmm. It's probably Hart, although Randall could be back before Embiid. But it's probably Hart. I think I'd go Hart over Reed over Wiggins because I still am not fully sold that Andrew Wiggins is just like, he's fine again. All right. Thanks, everybody, for watching. Please do check out our pals over at manscaped.com. Use promo code ETHOS20 to get 20% off your free shipping on whatever you grab over there. Again, that's ETHOS20 at manscaped.com. Uh, I am at Dan Bespris over on social media. I hope you guys will certainly take a moment to follow me there. Please do subscribe however you're taking in the show, whether it's YouTube, Spotify, iTunes, the list goes on and on and on. Follow on Twitter. Subscribe to the show. Follow and subscribe. Like, rate, subscribe, follow. That's how we'll continue to get this snowball a-rolling. And I'll see you guys over on social media. We got plenty to do there today. And uh, please, favor to me. Go find the Trade Deadline live show and click that thumbs up button. I want to keep seeing that number tick, 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 tick on the way up. And uh, I think that's it for promo here. Have a lovely Friday, everybody. Nice big card tonight. Go set those lineups. And I'll see you guys on the tweeters. So long. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. 